missing connection to science night. Please stand by. It is nice to be somewhere where we don't have to worry about smoke filling our lungs. It's summertime. We're here on beautiful Nicomoromoro Island where, you know, nothing bad has happened. We can just sit on our chairs, enjoy maybe one of the second most beautiful sunsets you can see outside of Indiana and just enjoy these tiki drinks. Wait, 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 wait. Do you see over there? What is that? It looks like an airplane wreck. Oh, no. Huh. I wonder if these big crabs, that one is just pulling a seagull into a burrow, and another one's attacking a cat. Another one is fending the cat off with a bone. <laughs> That's frightening. Yeah. You know, it's fine, though. The sun's up. There's like a couple crabs around. I'm sure this isn't going to get worse. But what is... Let's go over and look at this airplane. Hey, this one looks like it was registered to Purdue. All right, go Indiana. That's right, yeah. Hey, you can find Hoosiers everywhere, right? That's right. Well, that's what they say, right? It was uh, Kurt Vonnegut, famous Hoosier. Kurt Vonnegut is the one who said, wherever you go, you find um, Hoosiers doing interesting things. And it's true. I thought that was Badgers. Well, he wasn't from Wisconsin. (laughs) So I don't think he would have said that. He definitely said, wherever you go, you find Hoosiers doing interesting things, right? And, um, or paraphrased that. And uh, I always thought that's because you don't find them in Indiana anymore. The ones who are doing (laughs) interesting things have left. (sighs) Um, But, you know, including, I'm guessing, this airplane. Yeah, yeah, it left, and just like a lot of Hoosiers that leave Indiana, it's on a beach somewhere. Wait, whose plane uh, is this? I don't know. There's like a weird bomber jacket that's hanging out to the side. Let's go in and look. Oh, there man, there's a Jayhawk keychain in this ignition. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. This what? must be Amelia Earhart's plane. Hold on. Wait, I, she's a Jayhawk? I, well, she's from Atchison, Kansas, originally, which uh, is, you know, about, just outside of Kansas whatever. City. It's not too there far, right? Um, she had Jayhawk energy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Jayhawk energy. I mean, only Jayhawks crash and burn and get eaten by crabs. Oh, did I put the story before uh, we got to it? Well, let's let's talk about this story that has recently been released in 2023 and has never come out at any other time in the history of science or science communication or popular science. Wait. Certainly not since 2015 or 2017 or 2019. Never. Are you saying all this <laughs> exactly. has happened before and all this will happen again? The round-the-world ladybird and her crew, ready for an adventure that nobody has ever tried before. Amelia Earhart, out to circle the Earth at the latitude of the equator, and that's the Earth's greatest circle. On July 2nd, 1937, while attempting to become the first woman to fly around the world, Amelia Earhart was hoping to land at Howland Island, but due to a combination of navigational difficulties and radio trouble, she and navigator Fred Noonan never made it to their intended destination. Ultimately, their final destination remains a mystery, with abduction theories ranging from the Japanese Navy to 
aliens. Some even claimed that this was all an elaborate scheme to disappear, with reported sightings of Earhart and Noonan all around the South Pacific, extending decades past that fateful day in 1937. To put it simply, in the absence of evidence, the imagination can run wild. But instead of doing another episode re-examining Amelia Earhart, her life, her career, her disappearance, and trust me, there is tons of really well-done material on this subject already. If you want to learn more about Amelia Earhart, I'm going to link some really, really good podcasts at our website, so check that out. But I want to take a different approach. Instead, I want to talk about how someone who was, by all accounts, a very good aviator, a woman that broke boundaries in a male-dominated world, but still just a regular person, how did they become legendary? How does the mortal gain immortality? And how does an assuming crustacean assist in this process? It will be no surprise that humans are incredibly unique in the extent to which we can assign meaning to things. Sometimes to better understand the position of a person within a greater story, we elevate the individual, which then elevates the story. This is how folklore, myth-making, legends are born. We take this person that has a part, maybe a very important part, but still just a part of a larger story, and we make them giant. This happens in all aspects of our lives. It's not just these big historical moments. You can see this happening in politics. This was their finest hour. this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are America hard. America is a constant work in progress. Who believe that loving this country requires, requires more than singing its praises or avoiding uncomfortable truths. It requires the occasional disruption. With that memory comes a responsibility. A responsibility to be the place that we wish to be. Business. Here's to the crazy ones. The misfits. The rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. Even sports. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Philly special. Ready? Here we go, here we go. Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Set the Cleveland Cavaliers! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. It's deep. It's going! And it is gone! Yes! It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top! Amelia Earhart is special. Because at the time of her death, she served as the intersection of multiple stories occurring in the United States at the height of the Great Depression. Basically, this was a country that was desperate to change the narrative. So let's take a brief look at how she intersected all these things. 
When the U.S. economy was booming in the 1920s, Amelia Earhart similarly achieved new heights. She set an altitude record for female pilots at 14,000 feet on May 16, 1923. And when the economy ultimately sunk, those achievements were still in people's minds. She served as the model for women finding a way to exist in a field dominated by men, achieving levels of celebrity that allowed her to access new places, but also finance further innovation in aviation. This is a story that should be popular with everyone right now because it's a problem that still exists. She served as the embodiment of the American dream as she represented her country internationally on her flight across the Atlantic and attempted flight around the world. So if we're talking about soft power projection, Amelia Earhart was very important in the United States just having their image around the world. Amelia Earhart died in 1937, but she was elevated to a legendary status in the process partly because of the achievements that we just talked about in her life, but also because of the questions surrounding her mysterious death. Which brings us to coconut crabs. Coconut crabs are basically big hermit crabs, not just slightly larger versions of the pets we get on summer beach vacations and ultimately don't make it much past our return home. I'm talking about nightmare fuel big. They are the largest land crabs, and they measure over three feet across. You can find them all over islands in the Indian and Pacific Oceans. Basically, they live wherever the coconut palm can be found. But here's the thing. They don't really eat coconuts. They can climb all over them. They'll move them around. But there's really no documented evidence of them selecting a coconut to eat. They usually eat fruit and nuts that fall to the ground. But really, they eat anything that makes its way to the ground. That includes, of course, other crabs, but also birds and even kittens. They will also very eagerly and very thoroughly scavenge any dead animals taking pieces of that carrion back to their burrows, which can pockmark the sandy beaches of these islands. To make things even creepier, they can come out in huge numbers at night, with some researchers noting that hundreds of crabs could be seen just outside the light of their flashlight. So, if you're going to be doing some nighttime coconut crab research, make sure those batteries are good. So what does this have to do with Amelia Earhart? And this is where it gets a little bit gruesome. Earhart's disappearance still remains a mystery. But in 1940, British colonial agents on Nicomaroro Island found 13 bones. These are believed to be the only remains related to Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. Unfortunately, the bones were lost soon after this discovery, And they were never fully studied, and they were definitely not positively identified. So this is all a big assumption. 
and it also adds to the mystery of the story. But Nicomararo has often been identified as a potential landing spot for Earhart. It's near enough to Howland Island, which was Earhart's intended destination for this leg of the flight. And that means it's likely they would have been in the area after navigation areas altered her course. There's a reef that could have served as an emergency runway. And there's also a lot of coconut crabs, which could explain why so little of the potential remains have ever been found. But this is a science podcast, not a journey into mystery. So let's talk about some experiments. In 2018, a team from the University of Tennessee tested this hypothesis by placing a pig carcass on Nicomaroro Island overnight just to see what happened. And it turns out the coconut crabs made extremely quick work and by morning there wasn't much left. To actually kind of find out how the pig was distributed, they used what we call cadaver dogs to see where do they smell flesh. So that's a fun beach vacation. And when National Geographic reported this team's findings in 2019, it took the world by storm. In fact, this story was so popular, it's taken on its own legendary status, being reprinted and repackaged every few months with honestly no new information. If I didn't know any better... I'd say this seemed like some kind of conspiracy to blame coconut crabs for the disappearance of Amelia Earhart, which is exactly what I would do if I was an aviator looking to disappear. Well, I guess you're right. This has all happened before. And man, it was a little frightening when they talked about in one of those articles that as the sun goes down, thousands and thousands of coconut crabs come out of their burrows and hunker out just beyond the light. And guys, I gotta say, that sun's getting real low. So maybe it's time for us to get out of here. So... I think if you're listening and we make it out of this coconut coconut crab conundrum, you should follow us on Twitter, follow the show at CyanidePod, go to our home on the web, Cyanide.com, where you can find merch related to our avenging angels, the cone snails, that is available in so many different summer varieties, colors, and designs, so go and buy some of that and maybe we can afford a plane plane ticket out of here. Um, and you can find like past episodes and stuff like that. Maybe we'll link to the cone snail episode. That would be a good one to pair with this bit of summer psychon. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I don't know why you would. I'm just complaining about the Phillies from now until the end of the baseball season. I am at James underscore read three stuffy. Where can everybody find you? You can find me at Twitter at stuffy deem or Instagram at starshipin. And Jason, where can everybody find you? You can find me at Twitter, at OrganJM. Well, that is going to do it for this bit of Summer SciComm. There is not enough boiling water and drawn butter to get us out of this situation, so I think it's time for us to fly. But until next time, avoid the coconut crabs.
The Science Land Podcast is a proud member of the River Power Podcast Mill. To find out more about our shows, go to riverpower.xyz. Nature, we're part of it. Animals, we're one of them. What can we learn from other species? How can our lives be better by reconnecting with nature? And why does it matter at all? That's what Wild Connection, the podcast, is all about. Every week, we bring you authors, filmmakers, scientists, and conservationists whose work is revealing why being connected to nature and wildlife matters. You can find us where you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We're hosted by Podbean, so you can find us there too. And you can keep up with us on Twitter at Wild Connect Pod.